May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was in college, I think it was my junior year, I remember going to church on the Sunday of the Feast of Christ the King, the feast that we're celebrating today. Now granted, I would have never remembered this except for the fact that when the worship service began that day, the priest stood front and center and told all of us, today we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King, even though we really shouldn't call it that, and it shouldn't be celebrated in this way because Jesus didn't want to be a king anyway. My friends and I thought, okay, then why are we here? The priest was well-intentioned. He had a point. But I think he missed the bigger picture as to why we're celebrating this feast day anyway. In the shambles of Europe after World War I, people needed hope. Many countries on the continent were in absolute ruin. Spain and Italy and Germany were experiencing forms of societal collapse. People were scared, really scared. And all these kind of self-appointed, self-proclaimed saviors started to appear in each country, promising a new world order, new life, great prosperity, and global security for some. Some church leaders in these respective countries stood by these national figures. But interestingly enough, the Pope at that time, his name was Pius XI, wasn't buying it. He wasn't convinced that what was happening was a good idea for anyone. People were championing certain ideas at the expense of others. The power which at times had been given to God was being given instead to earthly leaders. Maybe the church needed a feast day to point towards what Jesus actually can do for all of us. So in 1925, the feast of Christ the King appeared for the first time on the church's calendar. And the interesting thing for its time was that the main focus of this church feast was not for the priests, and it wasn't for the bishops, and it certainly wasn't for a celebration of the Pope. In no way was this feast day meant to strengthen or empower the government of the church. It was created for the people of God, for all the people of God. This idea was so strong and the Pope felt so strong about this that he insisted to bishops up around the world that this feast was specifically meant to empower the laity, all the people of God. And he wrote this down. The people of God will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if this power embraces all people, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. Jesus should reign in our minds and in our wills. He should reign in our hearts, 
which should generate natural desires to love God above all things. The presence of Christ should reign in our bodies and among all the people of God, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls, or to use the words of the Apostle Paul, as instruments of justice unto God. Now, I realize that's a lot there. But there's one key element that ties all of this together. Everything we have, everything we receive, everything that we give, and everything that makes up our being comes from a God who loves us more than we can ask for or imagine. God is the center of our being, the center of our lives. I realize in our ever-changing world where we encounter political debates or concerns about terrorism or, or concerns about the environment or economic uncertainty or all kinds of a laundry list of all other societal ailments, it's tempting to nitpick the specifics about the problems of our world. It would be very convenient for me to focus on something I read yesterday in the news and preach on that. But I'm not doing that today, for good reason. Today we're invited to let Jesus be in charge, to dwell in the space where we offer our hearts and our minds and commend our entire lives to a Savior who desires our greatest good. We make room for the kingdom of God and for the reign of Christ, and we mark this as a special Sunday when we do this. We reflect on how the great Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of all things, how God in Christ Jesus has transformed our lives, has led us to a place where we are now, and how God will take us to new places of growth, discovering new ways to love God and learning to take risks, to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're asked to take our worship today to ponder this reality. What would putting Christ in charge of your life look like for you? What might change? I realize that personal conversion stories aren't always preached in the Episcopal Church, but maybe we need to tell our stories. Many of our friends who are sitting here among us who take a class called Education for Ministry, or EFM, know the importance of regularly telling our stories about what God is doing for us in the here and now. They know this is important. But I want all of us to know that your story, each one of your stories, is equally important too. Because Christ has led you by the hand to this place right here and right now. And if you're struggling with the language of how you've been guided or why you've been guided or you're questioning whether you've been guided or not, that's actually very much okay. But we're asked to ponder this reality today of putting Christ in charge of everything. And that's not easy to do. 
When I was graduating seminary in the throes of the worst recession our country has ever seen since the Great Depression, there were virtually no positions available for newly ordained people anywhere. Approaching the end of my school year without employment was daunting and tough and lots of unanswered questions. Where would I go? Who would I live with? How was my ministry going to continue? But I remember a retired priest who sat me down. Now, this priest was a bit of a renegade. He gave up his position that he had at a prestigious university, and instead he retired early to work at a place in Washington, D.C. called the Church of the Savior, which was a church that ministered to people on the streets. But this priest was one of the most joyful people and one of the most enlivening people I've ever met. And he saw me walk into the cafeteria one day, my head was probably down, and he asked me what was wrong. So I told him my predicament that I was in, and he looked at me kind of oddly, but he, 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 he had a hopeful look. And he said, why on earth would God lead you here to study and then let you flounder? If God has led you here, don't you think God's going to lead you onwards? By grace, you have arrived, and God's grace is going to send you out in ministry. Keep going. Don't give up. Put Jesus in the center. You'll know the right thing when it's time. Looking back now, his perspective worked. So comforting. So wise. And ever since then, I hear his words play out in my head anytime I'm anxious or anytime I don't know the exact right answer, anytime I feel I have to make the perfect choice, eventually I hear, put Jesus in the center. You'll know the right thing when it's time. Putting Christ in the center of our lives will allow Jesus to give us a gift that will carry us through all of our life experiences. And as we do this, as we put God in charge and live our lives, our gratitude for God grows stronger because we've been there. We've seen what God has done in each one of our stories, in each one of our lives. We've been there. We've seen God's power rescue us time and time and time again through wise counsel, through amazing friends, through beloved family members, maybe even strangers. We've been there, but God has seen us through. And so today we'll have our stewardship in gathering. This is part, part of a way in which the family of Jesus gathers together to give a portion of our treasure back to the work and ministry of this place. I mentioned it last year, and so I'll mention it again. I am fully, fully committed to all of you and to what Christ is doing here. And so I joyfully give back 10% of my full earnings back to the life and ministry of Trinity Cathedral. You, my friends, are worth everything to me. Because Jesus is equipping us to do ministry that will change our lives and the lives of everyone around us.
But this work needs each and every one of us to participate and offer a gift of our finances throughout 2016 at whatever level you're able to support. This isn't about pressuring anyone. It's about putting Christ at the center of everything that we have and responding to God's grace with joy and gratitude. This is about giving out of love. We pledge out of love. So we'll invite you during the offertory to bring a pledge forward. I'll have more explanation about that at the announcements. But there are blank blue and yellow pledge cards at the ends of every one of your pews, and you can fill it out and bring it up with you at that time. And if you've already pledged, there's a white card like this that says, with gratitude, I have made a pledge to Trinity Cathedral for 2016. Those are also at the ends of the pews, and you can bring that forward. And while we're bringing the pledges forward today, there's going to be a hymn that we sing. It's in your announcement bulletin. The front page of it says Thanksgiving on it, but if you look on the backside, there's music there. We're going to be singing a hymn, and I invite you, while we're singing that, to read carefully and pray carefully the words of that hymn. The tune is familiar. You'll know the tune, but the words might be new. But pray that the Trinity Cathedral family will continue to place the reign of Christ in our hearts and above all other things for this year, for next year, and beyond so that we might be a place that welcomes all people, not just some people, but that we welcome all to be transformed in Christ through worship, fellowship, and service. For all of us to be a beacon of light in downtown Phoenix, centered in prayer and worship. This prayer isn't for me. This prayer is for all of you. We offer this prayer for all of us together. This prayer is for Christ Jesus, our sovereign our leader, and our champion who desires our greatest good every day. We are the people of Trinity Cathedral. Thanks be to God.